Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for joining us tonight in the Creepypasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah and Wednesday. And today, we are reading the parts of the deep web you're not supposed to see. And joining us today is our friend, Carrie. Hi. Hey, that's me. It is. Uh, would you like to say a little bit about yourself, about your horror experience? I watched a lot of Slenderverse stuff. That's like probably some of the main, <laughs> like, that got me into horror. Reading this book, this book, that's very generous to say. Reading this is definitely very nostalgic <laughs> for me. You're someone who has had experience in, like, creepypasta web horror kind of spaces for some time. You have an interest in, like, flash, like old-school flash games or, like, point-and-click horrors and, like, screamers and stuff, right? It's just very specific and anecdotal, but just, like, things on new grounds that, like, I should not have been seeing that were, like, marketed mm-hmm. towards kids <laughs> that, like, are not for kids. Like, you know, just, like, the stuff that is, like, there to intentionally scare children. Super into mm-hmm. that. I don't think... I don't think I necessarily the right audience i don't think i was scared the way i was supposed to be but you know so like you're familiar with like concepts of like a hyperlink maze for like a scary thing yeah speaking of which i'll get into the summary the narrator of our story finds something deeper than the deep web something that wasn't meant for human eyes after some digging he finds a blank page which asks him quid queris or what do you seek He tries a few generic answers which yield no results before he finally finds success with the answer, what also seeks me. He is directed to a list of links in an obscure code, and the links direct him to apparent evidence, video, and documents of the supernatural and surreal. He binges through this endless list until he passes out, and when he wakes up, the landing page has another question for him. Are you satisfied? He answers no. It brings him to four more links, and when he clicks one, it exposes him to a truly eldritch sight, a video of impossible things moving in impossible manners. He bails after twenty seconds. Shortly after, a pair of smiling agents come to his door and take his computer, which he gives without a fuss. He doesn't know what he was looking for, after all, and wants nothing more to do with this whole business. Despite that, it proves difficult to leave behind. He finds himself being followed. Then he gets a text message from an unknown number telling him to sneak out and come to an all-night diner, and the narrator meets another victim of the men in black, Jackson. Unlike him, Jackson never saw the strange Eldritch video, and the people who busted his door down tried to kill him. He tells the narrator to lay low. The narrator finds a motel to hunker down in, but when he turns on the TV after a few hours of sleep, he learns that one of the men who confiscated his laptop was found strangled to death. He gets a text from a different number, leading him to a dead drop for further instructions, just as more agents come to the motel to kill him. He ditches his phone and computer and flees. He manages to climb out and jump off the balcony, and poaches a cab to get to the public pool locker room. Inside the locker are a plane ticket, $2,000 in cash, and a Blackberry phone with a single number listed as Call Me. He receives another location to meet, but is intercepted and shot at. He makes a narrow escape and catches his flight to Arizona, where he meets his contact, the other agent who took his computer earlier that week, codenamed Jack Rust. 
Jack explains that this site was built to utterly hide information that any world government needs to be buried among a host of fakes, and it should have been impossible for the narrator or really anyone else to reach. However, an experimental AI seems to be directing people to interact with the site, and the narrator is the first to have reached the deeper layer and been exposed to what lies beyond. This knowledge, the Eldritch Vision, is what the suits are after. They head to the airport, but rather than take a plane, they descend into an underground complex and wait for a secret train. The narrator stops in the bathroom and finds a business card with a weird poem, and then is confronted by freaks and scarecrow masks, but Jack is nowhere to be seen. The narrator escapes onto the train, and the doors lock his pursuers out. The narrator opens up the contingency plan on the Blackberry. This plan contains not only instructions for how to proceed to the terminal to get to safety, but also an explanation for why the narrator is being targeted. Jack's organization found him as he began to close in on the page, but they had a mole in their midst, working for the faction of the Lost Gods cult, who are the people after him now. Once he arrives in Texas, he needs to get to their safe house and find the file on Kane Hunter, the only person who can help him now. He flies to Hong Kong to meet Kane, who used to work for a space station called Kronos-1. They received a video transmission through a probe to the Kuiper Belt that caused everyone exposed to it to go insane and kill themselves by any means necessary, except for one guy called Blake, who watched the screen until he passed out, but was otherwise fine, other than the fact that he started to slowly lose his mind and formed a cult to help him regain access to the Eldritch knowledge at all costs. Shortly after the transmission began, Kane returned to the Kronos One. It was seemingly attacked by some sort of creature beyond human comprehension, which killed most of the crew, and he was among the few survivors. During the attack, Blake regained access to the footage before being killed by agents, and the attack immediately stopped. Whatever was doing this was watching Blake watch it, and was attempting to communicate with him. The narrator seems to have some ability, like Blake, to see this thing without dying, and the AI nested in the dark side has chosen him. There's not much time to recuperate before the faction catches up with them. The narrator and Kane are taken hostage. Jackson, the guy from the diner, is leading the faction. He removes a tracking chip from behind the narrator's ear, which had been lodged there when the men in the locker room shot at him. The faction believe that humanity is a corruption, and that ending the world will wipe the slate clean. They torture the narrator and force him to access the video again, but this time the AI leaves him a message. Don't worry. When the faction views the video, they all kill themselves as expected. Jack, aka Ben, is still alive, and the narrator heads back to Vegas to rescue him from captivity. Ben reveals obliquely that he works for the SCP, and they part ways. <laughs> the narrator returns to his old life, but is still tempted by the AI, and by the links in the depths of the internet. Is he satisfied? So what do you think? <laughs> I, I think this would fix me. <laughs> Like, what specifically? What, which part of it would fix you Wednesday? I think, like, okay. You know, the the important character who is, like, a, a deep space cosmic horror AI creature? Uh-huh. Um, like, maybe? OP doesn't deserve, or I guess. <laughs> I'm just saying, it has a really curious taste, and I could... I could do whatever it, it seems to want, I think, so. I mean, like, the thing is that, like, it, it wants this specific guy. Yeah. But why? This specific, like, loser shit kicker guy. I can be a loser. The heart wants what the heart wants. Hey, this is a story about an AI slash cosmic horror being in love with this random guy. It fucking rules. 
<laughs> you see someone who's 10 10 and the most guys i really like this story it's oh my bad gosh. it's bad and it's really dumb it's... and it's like kind of agonizing like it's not written well it made me so mad. It's stupid. It's paced like shit. Yeah. It's so haphazard and spaghetti fucking flung at the wall, but it's so fun. It's like a creepypasta about creepypastas. It's like an action yeah, adventure yeah. set in creepypasta world. <laughs> so... And like it hit me during this reading because I've heard it with like my ears at one point. I don't think <laughs> I, I got very far in it because at the time I was like, this is whatever. But then I, like, I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm recognizing some of these things now, and now it's become, like, a cool, like, I'm in on it, like, there's, like, explosions in the background. I love every single time a stupid, like, one-liner is bolded (laughs) in it. It made me, like, scream real time. I'm gonna read my favorite one right now. You know how they say that time flies when you're having fun? Well, it also applies to when you're about to be smoked. you did not have as good of a time with this one as, as Wednesday and I did. No, I... We're like post-Baraska enjoying it. Yeah, we came off of the most, like, anger-inducing story that we've read in a while, and we come into this, like, silly, like, fucking cinematic universe creepypasta <laughs> fucking story and we're like oh my god this is a breath of fresh air if nothing else it is so creative and they're so you could tell this person really just like lied in bed and like thought about this every night for like six months <laughs> delirium i yeah. don't think this person thought about any part of what they were doing until the moment that they wrote it and then they didn't think about the thing that they'd written before um for the rest of time <laughs> I don't think this person had a single thought while writing this. It was just, it was pure id. Maybe thought about how cool it would be. Yeah, just yeah. like a, a single thought. This is fucking dope. I mean, that's yeah. it. That is what I'm imagining. And he's right. I'm coming around. I feel like you guys have kind of read it before. And so that's like another thing. This is my first time yes, reading. Yeah. This is my first time even knowing about this. And it, it, like the way... <laughs> the way everything happens all at once and then it just keeps happening and it's just like say all this stuff and it's like i wrote down all the things that he saw at the beginning like including (laughs) alien gnawing on arm the paragon project human experiments superhumans that were success glitches dimensions bermuda struggle i have research notes for those points though Ooh, uh bomb that is super duper strong stronger than you know the hiroshima bomb just like I would love to hear your thoughts, like, your research on this, because I would love to know. It is, if you haven't experienced it before, an assault to the senses, because you're expecting something yeah. that's, like, a, a creepypasta story, and it's, like, definitely not. I mean, it's all creepypasta.reddit, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's, like... <laughs> Reddit.pasta. Yeah. Oh, my God. That'd be cool. Hey, someone with money. <laughs> <laughs> so you're expecting kind of, like... You know, like a creepy pasta, but it's definitely like a, an action adventure thriller with like creepy pasta like catch all terms. It sort of captures the most extreme bad tendencies mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. no sleep, like over the top special protagonist world stakes kind of shit, while also being totally different from most everything, everything yeah. else in the space that I've seen. Like it feels intentional, but doesn't make it like well executed but definitely feels intentional 
Now, there's some that I don't have an exact match for, so I feel like some mm-hmm. might just be an approximation of stories that are happening during them. Mm-hmm. I'll leave my big note to the last one, because that's a, a big thing. But the Paragon Project is an SCP thing, which is like, this is like yeah. an SCP, like, fan-on-averse sort of event. And my understanding yeah. of this is what, like, is considered the canon of SCP versus, like, the database that people can you know contribute to like here's the canon yeah. for like the doctors and the lore and stuff like that <laughs> to to interrupt real quick is mm-hmm. there like a rule on reddit about connectedness to like outs because like there's no fan fiction allowed right right so like is is that why this person is up dancing so much yes. around saying that ben belongs to the scp because like he uses the, the, the thing that ben says <laughs> is really annoying and stupid and it's but, like i wish that he would just say I-, I represent the scp organization like the scp foundation but he can't do that because it's it's no sleep and you would it would get, get, yeah, get taken down yeah it's really it's stupid but it's a really clever way to like get around it like mom's are <laughs> reading this you know what he means. I'll be honest. I didn't get it, and I thought he meant, like, men in black, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> no, yeah, because, uh-oh. I wrote it down, I think. Yeah. I like to think that I do my best to try and protect the world from strange shit that dwells within it, to try and secure the stuff that's out there that humanity shouldn't see, to put them away in containment forever. Oh, Yeah. I'll be honest, I was pretty done by the end, so I might have just missed that. You were just exhausted. I was just exhausted. Like, at the first, like, when I first started reading this again, I was, like, not looking forward to it, because I know it's terminally long, but then, like, the first <laughs> couple paragraphs click, like, oh, this is, like, a fan fiction for every creepypasta that's happened around this time period, so I got really excited and tried to find all, like, the Easter eggs throughout. Yeah. It became an event for me. <laughs> um, yeah, it, like, it, it literally is, like creepypasta cinematic universe and like a little while ago we were talking about like the the jeff the killer stuff yeah this is sort of like without being like roleplay shit it mm-hmm. is taking that concept like the sort of slender mansion creepypasta universe concept mm-hmm. to fruition yeah yeah so here's one that doesn't have an exact match but i do believe it's just meant to be like it's meant to be this one, but, like, a thing or two has changed for the mm-hmm. the story to be up. There's mentioning of a strange man on the 15th floor, and a week before the first part of this creepypasta was posted, I work for the 15th floor and something just happened, basically, is the creepypasta that is referenced here. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, a, a spooky girl instead of a man. And obviously yeah. all the skinwalker stuff was popular then. The... 911 transcript of uh, a te- missing Texas town was the disappearance Ashley, of Ashley Kansas, Kansas, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. That's one that I personally have a lot of nostalgia for. The Marina Trenches abnormality must, I, I'm pretty sure, references to like the metallic sound that was recorded in this oh. area around that time. Yeah, I remember mm. that. The blue yeah. or whatever? No, no, it's a different thing. It's like a, it's like a grinding oh. metallic thing yeah. and people were like, People are doing sort of like, um, well, they do it for the bloop and other things too. But like, <laughs> like seeing like the like the weight of the 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 sound saw and stuff like that, or however mm-hmm. you say it, what other whatever correct audio thing to determine like 
what made this and like the distance it came from and they were like oh it came from here but like and the steps but like how it's really metallic sounding it's, it's like an organic sound based on like huh. the waves or whatever so that was really pop and then i'll send it to you i'll, I'll put it in the notes there's one I'm not sure what it was referencing to, but the bomb, it was a, a real-life example of that. The SAR bomb is um, the most powerful nuclear bomb ever made and tested, so maybe it's referencing to, like, that where that didn't, like, previously exist. There's um the one where people go insane for the black and white movie, I believe is referencing a mockumentary movie that came out in 2016 about a fictitious movie that was, like, an older movie that made people insane. What was the movie? I was like, I want to remember this because I know this movie, but I didn't write it down, and I don't. Fury of the Demon? Yeah, that's it. It's Fury of the Demon. A documentary investigation on the rarest and most controversial French movie in the history of early cinema. The summary that comes up from uh, from Google. <laughs> the author is just, like, pulling from everything recognizable or, like, pseudo-recognizable like giving giving things just enough of a twist that like it's not technically breaking the rules. It's, it's in really order cool, to I think. create this feeling of like, oh, I I recognize this. This is something that I've and and also the reference to like, well, some of these are also hoaxes. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, Carrie, you've used the deep web before, right? I've used the deep web before. Have you? I this might be a conversation I had with someone else. No, I I have not. I used to when I was in high school, I got really into like I wasn't doing anything that would require this, but like I got it's really fun. into like tour and stuff. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think we might have talked about it in a group area and Carrie was there presently, which is why I'm connected to this Probably, conversation yeah. in my brain. That sounds real. Yeah, so I did like research on like the eight levels of the internet uh-huh do you want to hear about that i would love to hear about that okay so this is like a thing someone made up like who's like in tech <laughs> i guess it's like an, it was on a, it was on an iceberg before icebergs become like massively popular it's so, like 10 or so yeah. years ago oh, wow. um <laughs> now there's like a real thing in like it stuff for like layers it's like this uh a layers of an osi right there's a physical layer a data link a network transport session presentation application and then there's computer tech theory that says there's an eighth layer which is like the user or the social dynamics within a network right that's like boring real <laughs> layers like actual like when people are talking about literally how computer interfacing works yeah in, in yeah. a technical, physical way. So this, like, fictitious layers, like, sometimes people will use them, like, in real life because it's cool to sound like a 90s hacker man and also <laughs> to be, like, vague about your intentions and what you're doing online, I guess. Uh -huh. But, like, if people know, it's not really... So I think it's just because people want to be, like, edgy and cool, right, on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's LARPing. Yeah, people love to yeah. LARP. So obviously there's this surface web, which you, we're all on that right now. It's everything. You're listening to this right now on the surface web. Yay, you. We're on Spotify. Yeah. Now I'm not sure how this word is set, is set out loud. Burgie? Yeah, I would probably say Burgie. Okay, Burgie web is a web page not indexed by a search engine, but it requires no additional interface to reach. So essentially, that's just another word for dark web. Well, not... Because that's what dark is. It's, it's that it's not, like, 
indexed, but you can reach it without, like, any... Yeah, 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 this is, yeah. It, it separates this from... Like, that's that's the thing that dark web actually yeah, means. Yeah. And people say dark web when they're trying to sound, like, spooky. You know, ooh, scary. Yeah. I think we should start saying Virgie web. We should. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute, right? It's cute. It's cute. This list separates Virgie from Deep, which Deep is uh, a not indexed page that you require an additional interface to get to. Yeah. So it's handy, right? And after that, there are more specific layers, but like, obviously, like the internet isn't like divided into deeper and deeper layers. It's just like purpose yeah. <laughs> and intent. After the deep web is the charter web, which is like everything that's in the deep web you have to additionally pay for. So like, oh, uh, like websites you need like you know to exchange some sort of cryptocurrency to also get yeah porn or whatever, or like. You're exchanging currency to engage in the social group, like a Silk Road kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. To, like, access a chat room or a website. Mm -hmm. This sort of thing uses the, a specific closed shell system, which is what that is called when you have to, when you have, like, a restricted group that requires, like, money or some sort of, like, social exchange to get into. It's a private hosting situation. The next one is a Marina web, which is, you know, it's, it's named after the trench and stuff. And in the list it's given, this is like the world's government websites that are inaccessible to civilians. And this is Not where- that inaccessible. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? This is where- Hey, a cat leaked the no-fly list earlier this year. Because she's like an internet wizard, right? This is true. <laughs> I'm just saying, they're not that inaccessible. Right, right, yeah. right. This is where, like, you get into, like, the quantum electronic random chaos magic of computering. There were, like, words earlier on that were, like, mathematical terms. That's where this comes in, right? Uh -huh. And so in this, like, conspiracy theory theory is, like, the government agents or whatever have this, like, code given to them by their computer wizards. And that, like, <laughs> you, ha you have to figure it out as a civilian. And, like, <laughs> that's what the, um, that's what the polymetric valve differentiation, these words... Come, come are the key to solving the the quantum physics puzzle that you don't have the key for. It you just have like a password, dog. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is what a password is. Um. It does sound like you just described a password. Yes, they generate the passwords based on the the geometry of the stars. <laughs> dog, it's a password. <laughs> they make you change it every four months, like. <laughs> By the seasons? By the unknowable wizarding seasons? <laughs> so, number seven is my favorite level, which is the fog or the virus soup. And here's like a 1v1 hackers all try to outdo each other with their crafted viruses like a robo competition. That's only online. <laughs> Fucking rules. <laughs> Fucking dropping off my pet worm in the virus soup daycare. Isn't that the best? <laughs> this is also, I made a note, this is also where a lot of creepypasta dark web horror stories happen in level 7. Because like, mm. you're like, oh you activated my Trojan, now a hitman's gonna come and kill you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and 
then layer eight is where the OP comes in and talks about his, or whatever, his stuff. The prime arc, where it's believed that a powerful AI who has been incubating since the internet was a thing has said to have like come alive and according to this like kind of like conspiracy theory level sort of like internet horror it's like (laughs) dormant right it's just like rest but occasionally like like some like inaccessible level of heaven and like occasionally it wakes up to pierce (laughs) the other layers of the internet like some gamma ray oh no (laughs) so that's the background for all those words that were in the story Nice. Okay. I love that there's, like, the part of the internet that, that holds the scary AI that is asleep. And it wakes up, like, every once in a while to talk to some guy who wears, like, khakis. Yeah. <laughs> because he's so special. You don't even know what this guy does for work. <laughs> right? He doesn't have a job. No, he does. He doesn't anymore. <laughs> he <laughs> works <it up. laughs> Yeah, okay. He does it by the end of the story, but, like, he's just like a normal guy with a job who happens to, like, I mean, that's a fun thing about this is that, like, you don't know anything about it. He's not a super genius hacker or whatever. He's maybe, like, a guy who is in IT. Yeah. But is just, like, sort of a, ge- like, a normal-ass IT guy. Like, a guy with special interest. Yeah. <laughs> But because he has this, like, special magic brain or whatever, the AI is like, I want you, and, like, leads him to the website, and, like, did he even actually solve the riddles, or is the AI just, you know, softballing him? The AI was holding his hand the entire time, like, the the AI, the AI feels like someone who's, like, dumb walks in and is like, I need to have that one. Like, oh, I can't not fuck him. <laughs> the AI was my favorite character. I did get excited every time it showed up. Yeah, that was such a good character. Like, so little screen time, and yet, yeah. the best character. Impact, the power. It has it has such an impact. Like, all the stuff about Eldritch Horror, in addition to just, like, this AI that also exists, and he's also, like, a scary Eldritch Horror, like, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, like, uh, is the AI connected to the Eldritch Horror in some way? Or is the AI just fucking around? Like, is the AI just in love with this guy? I like like that idea. Just having a laugh. (laughs) Incomprehensible motivations because they're unknowable. Because the AI seems to have done this to kill the people from the cult, right? The AI has steered this entire silly-ass story (laughs) to get to a point where this guy could show all of these people, like, get them all in a room and show them this video so that they kill themselves. The, these guys were really cringe, is the thing. They're like, ugh, these guys are <laughs> so were. cringe. They're giving me a bad name. You need to murk them. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my god, these people are constantly fucking on my ass. I can feel them thinking at me all the time. Please make them go away. Oh, I love like, that. <laughs> I love that a lot. It just wants to chill. It wants to look at, like, cat videos for eternity. You're, like, making it do stuff. <laughs> it has all the internet to it itself. Like, and you want to, like, they're like, we shouldn't be alive. It's like, well, who's going to make content for this thing if humans are alive? It doesn't want humanity to not be alive. It wants these specific annoying people to yeah, not be alive. Yeah. And they've just, like, misinterpreted this because <laughs> they are, like, so self-centered. The AI's like, kill yourself now. <laughs> It's it's doing that on purpose. Like 
Oh, it's really... I like this story, I think. <laughs> there... <laughs> There's a lot of stories that we at least interpret as, like, <laughs> cosmic love stories, and I feel like this is definitely one of those yeah. ones. Oh, it has to be, because it's like, it's an SCP fan fiction, and, like, everyone who writes for SCP wants to act like this isn't true, but, like, you, you, <laughs> I, I think you're making little little characters that ship with some sort of monster, and you're all acting like you're, you're not. And they're scared of admitting the truth. Just be honest with yourself about your desires. I don't know very much about SCP. I was just, like, never interested in it. The style of it never really mm-hmm. appealed to me. There's a handful of ones that are cool, like, cool yeah. concepts. Because I don't care about lore very much. Yeah, I it's care about lore, implications of lore. And yeah. SCP is nothing lore. but lore. Yeah. yeah, I like, like, some of it, but I don't keep up with it very, like, I keep up with it in a sort of, like, like, I want to know who's writing and stuff. It's not my favorite hentai Pennywise a clown or whatever that line is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. SCP stuff is also just like poorly written. Yeah, I yeah. Think. yeah. Like, and and even though there's like a supposed to be like a vetting process, <laughs> the vetting is often deeply stupid. Ones that are pretty interesting will be rejected in favor of, like, like whatever stupid stuff that the mods like, which is, like, sort of inherently the problem with having any kind of approval system other than, yeah. If you have, like, like, a community that filters by the type of content that it's allowing there, it's always going to favor old members. It's always going to favor popularity yeah. over pretty much anything else. Yeah, which is like the state of it now. Like, I like community projects too. So it's like it hits a lot of nice things, but like it catches my brain in a cool way, but not anything that's like. I love the yeah. idea of it, but it's so. Yeah. Like, it feels like a club sometimes. Yeah, like an old boys club. Yeah. Which, like, they're, like, gender neutral, but, like, I don't know. I don't want to compete like that. Or, like, see other people have to compete like that. Like, when you make your participation in a space dependent on social capital, Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. bad for art, because capital is bad for art. Period, yeah. It's just, like, the mass of people it brings together is really impressive, and everything that comes from it, I think. Like... And if you want to have, like, a good grasp of, like, the temperature and, like, where certain things are coming from, I think you have to have, like, a uh, finger on the pulse of it. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels more like an obligation, right? <laughs> it has kind of an energy of, like, you know how, like, people who make stuff based on House of Leaves are yeah. most of the time making something that's way more interesting than House of yeah. Leaves ever was? And yeah. so people convince themselves that House of Leaves was good the whole time? yeah. I have that feeling about SCP, where, like, people make some interesting art based on SCP-related stuff, or, like, inspired Mm -hmm. by SCP-related stuff. Like, fucking control. And so people get the idea in their head. Yeah! People get the idea in their heads, then, that, like, oh, this core thing is as good as these things that are in- and they're not, is the thing. (laughs) Like, control is uh, more interesting than almost any given SCP thing that you could go and read. Yeah. In the same way that, like, myhouse.wad is a million times more interesting than House of Leaves. (laughs) What's it called when you're doing, like, a technique thing that's, like, exclusively technique? It starts with a P. 
process or something. It's like art theory, art history, art debate. We like valorize uh, Jackson Pollock thing because like he creates this like technique and we're evaluating it based on this technique. But like, yeah. oh, what does it say and how it, how that is different compared to like artists who do like block colors and have those block colors have meaning right like there's a (laughs) difference between these two things and a lot of times in spaces like this people like think the process of this sort of thing like you check all the boxes off you've you've done it Mm -hmm. is more important than like the meaning and value of it you know Wednesday, that's the thing I know you and I have been talking about, complaining about (laughs) recently in terms of, like, people talking about horror in terms of... Okay, total anecdote. I got a job recently. It's, you know, work is work. But one of the people that I uh, am working there with, who I do, like, pretty much all my shifts with, on my first day we started talking and this person was like, oh yeah, I'm really into horror. Oh, that's exciting. And I I got all excited. Uh Uh-huh. But then they're like, uh, yeah, I really like Final Destination and Paranormal Activity oh, no. and The Conjuring. Oh, no. You're, you're in danger. And and started just talking about how, like, they like horror in terms of, like, they like seeing the kills. <laughs> and I'm over here being like, you know, all my favorite horror movies are slow, weird foreign films. It always makes me feel like a real asshole when I hit that disconnect with other people. Like, I... I don't know how to have a conversation with someone about that. I don't know how that conversation is supposed to go. Like, if you watched fucking Annabelle 5 and you're like, yeah, oh my god, it was so scary when Annabelle summoned a a million scary demons. What response do I have to that? And people look at me like I have a second head if I'm like, yeah, it's kind of fucked up that James Wan uses satanic ritual abuse conspiracies to prop up the story of Annabelle. Like, because he does. That's a thing that I've noticed watching the animal movies. And, like, I'm sorry. I only have one mode, and this is it. In the real world, people don't care about things the way that I care about them. Unfortunately. I'm an English major. I think everyone should be, like, as invested in things as you are. Oh, no. Last time I was in, like, a a physical writing group based on my location, it was, Uh like, people were looking forward to, like, the the real-life Beauty and the Beast and stuff. I was like, oh, man, I need to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I want a story to have a purpose Mm -hmm. when I engage with it, Mm -hmm. when I I read it, when I listen to it, when I watch it. I want it to exist for a reason other than just to make money, which is treated as, like, the only thing that justifies art existing is if it makes money. People, like, like, people want to be, like, entertained and not think too hard about what they're being entertained by, and there's some kind of, like, prestige that comes with being entertained in that way by horror, which is, like... By just simply exercising that raw disgust reaction, being able to say, like, oh yeah, I was able to watch X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. and I barely flinched. Okay, fine, sometimes you just want to see dope shit, but, I don't know, is this something that should make you flinch. Are you engaging with the text in a meaningful way? What does it mean to engage with hyperviolence or sexual violence for your own titillation? What does it mean to be delighted by disgust? And when can the pleasure of disgust become dangerous? Yeah. Yeah. That's more interesting to me any day of the week. 
Can we talk about our feelings regarding the art that we consume and enjoy? Or don't enjoy? You know? <laughs> There's something to be gained out of things you don't like. That's I... most of what we do here. Yeah. We yeah. mostly talk about stuff we don't like. Exactly. <laughs> There's so much to understand with things you don't like. It's easier, I feel like, to take apart things you don't like. Obviously, it's easier to just, like, blindly dislike a thing. Having Understanding, like, certain things have value, even though you don't get much value out of it yourself negative emotions negative reactions are sort of like inherently interesting and entertaining to us right mm -hmm. it's it's drama it's tension which is why like it's really easy to get attention on like youtube or something like that for being negative people love hearing bitchy things about things that are popular yeah people want to feel validated if they don't like the thing or they want to feel angry if they do like the thing mm -hmm. but that's what so much of the internet is just like built on at this point like reacting, is, yeah. is pure reactivity and like sometimes that's fun i like hearing a man shout sometimes but sometimes <laughs> there's things that are more interesting than that yeah like and often people don't have the skill to make that like meaningful you know like there's a difference yeah. between someone writing like a um, criticism being a professional critiquer or whatever is different than like just some guy like the shot <laughs> like an interview is different than a paparazzi shot i guess is what i'm trying yeah. to say like for, for every h-bomber guy there's a million lily orchards yeah <laughs> is the problem with the internet <laughs> not related to anything we're talking about except for the story itself and maybe a little mm -hmm. bit earlier the ai is clearly into him but like so is every guy he meets yeah oh my <laughs> god at the end of my notes i literally wrote timmy and ben kiss challenge because uh, they had so much <laughs> chemistry like the fact that they went to vegas and did all this stuff together i was like god is one of you gonna propose <laughs> Okay, to be fair, they didn't do that much stuff together. They spent, like, a couple of days together. Yeah, but, yeah, like, but like, maybe tops. Like, like, in my head, the romance of it. They went to the airport together. They're yeah, but, like, but they're having, like, a, like a, a on a train station, you're going two different so different ways kind of moment. Yeah, yeah. Really... <laughs> That's how I read it. And he sort of, like, gives him a hint about what he does, and there's sort of the sequel bait at the very end yeah. that sort of never comes about, like... Uh, so unfortunately. It's eaten by worms or something. <sighs> Timmy is also not the narrator's name, I should be totally clear. The narrator doesn't have a name. Carrie just calls this guy Timmy. It's, it's Carrie's cool nickname for him. I just, it's hard to write can... notes about something or someone when I don't know their name, and I didn't want to say the narrator. I put an OP, like, all the time. <laughs> I usually say the narrator because, like, because I distinguish between, like, OP being That's true. the writer and the narrator being the character, That's right? That's true. Like, I do, too, when I'm, like, doing serious, like, talk and stuff, but sometimes it's really fun <laughs> to just call things OP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> vis-a-vis -vis the AI, there's something in general compelling about computer evil, like, ghosts in the machine, mm -hmm. and I think the story is swinging for that, mm -hmm. and just misses wildly. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, the, the story has nothing to do with the internet or what makes the internet yeah. scary, really. Yeah. It's just, like, the internet is the medium mm -hmm. through which the story kind of takes place, mm -hmm without being about the internet 
in the way mm-hmm. of like psychosis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a yeah. Is one or like normal porn? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, are both very very about the internet, mm-hmm. not just taking place there, mm-hmm. but about what it means for these technologies to be in our lives in the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Where like in this story, the Eldritch video could have appeared to this guy through any medium, like in real life or on late night TV or anything, and it would still be mostly the same. It wouldn't change it. Yeah. Which, what I thought about, like, while reading this, is sort of like, this is ne- not necessarily an internet horror, even though that's, like, the main set piece. Yeah. It's more, it's like, uh, I think, kind of like a successful urban horror, where, like, the horror is not necessarily drawn from, like, an urban environment, but, like, living in, like, um, like U.S. America, right? A lot, when people do cosmic horror, they seem to really want to be like, look at me, I know Lovecraft, so everything has this sort of, like, janky, hack, racist tone for, like, no reason <laughs> in the story. Yeah. This has, like, removed all that while still, no, I maybe not removed all that, there's, you could say lots of stuff about conspiracy theories and, like, the locations <laughs> and settings and stuff, but, like, it has its own voice, but still, I would say cosmic horror, like, very obviously... And it's also, like, successful urban horror without, like, demonizing, like, living in a city, right? The big piece of internet horror that it does manage to sort of scrape is the idea of, like, surveillance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The first thing that he sees when he comes onto this website, and the reason why this website exists, is to host forbidden video footage. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the idea of being, like, observed by things deep within the internet yeah. or deep within space mm-hmm. uh, the idea of being you know tracked with cctv the mm-hmm. idea of like super governmental bodies that exist underneath yeah our actual government and are just watching you at all times yeah and something about the very sort of like airport is actually a secret train station like very yeah. textual yeah. like usa sort of kind of like landscape and it's specifically about this like government surveillance where like in psychosis the anxiety is around like malicious rogue elements yeah right rather than like a systemic like that that this thing has been built for malicious purposes it is being hijacked by something malicious we're in deep web the world around the narrator has been built for malicious purposes yeah that's it that's this, so yeah. it makes it feel like an authentic sort of, like, urban horror story. It's a lot more, like, subtle urban paranoia with set pieces that enhance the feel of, like, to use this, like, word that's been beaten to the dirt, like, liminality of, like, transportation and then femoral movement between, like, cities and the symbolic nature that cities play, like... They have, like, their victory laps in Vegas or, like, the sense of loss and bloodshed in, like, certain, like, apartment settings and stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. inhuman experiments that are, like, run by the U.S. government and, like, that kind of realness intertwined with, like, the crimeless nature of just, like, using the deep web to do, like, a little hyperlink maze, which is, like, exists regular <laughs> style. And, like, it's, so it, it, it creates sort of, like, like, a digital metaphysical art piece, like, everything's hyper-real and deeply shadowed, and, like, you sort of recognize everything, but everything's sort of, like, off. It it also feels sort of like an immature experience of these things. Mm-hmm. Like, to understand urban horror as, like, the set pieces 
of the world that you live in, mm-hmm. you have to go outside. Right? Mm-hmm. Or, like, the outside world has to exist in a meaningful way. Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have stories like psychosis and stuff, mm-hmm. which is is very much an urban horror about the fact that it's the city outside. is outside of your apartment. Yeah. Uncontrollable spaces that are, like, population dense. Where, like, this is sort of a story about being, like, a, for the most part, like a like a passive being a passenger who is being dragged around to these places, right? Mm-hmm. In the sort of way that, like, children are often dragged around to places <laughs> by their guardians. <laughs> Does like, feel very, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, you go home at the end of the, the trip. He just leaves. He just goes home. Yeah. He just goes home, and he's good. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine, as far as we know. <laughs> like, he's alive. It also made me think about like, we're in a game called Unknown Armies, and how you could probably yeah. just, like, pick this whole story up and just slam it into a campaign easy-peasy. <laughs> oh, God. You really could. That would roll. There's a group that, whose specialty is literally just, like, erasing information that they don't like people knowing with magic. Yeah, like, literally, like, you could have every faction, like, represented. There's even, like, a scary AI in Unknown Armies that's, like, Super computer. I wonder. I I I bet it's the same sort of like source story. You know, it's sort of because this is pulling from the same like raw stratum of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and like urban legends and stuff that Unknown Armies also is. Yeah, and like the the raw stratum of like spy thrillers. I think there's that interesting that happens to our protagonist guy is that. I don't know if this was intentional or it just happened over the course of the story. Let's enter play with me in this space where it is intentional. Hey, in the last thing he shoots out some guy's kneecaps. Yeah. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. He goes insane. Um, like OP undergoes a transformation that all like poorly written creepypasta protagonists go through. He starts yeah. uh-huh. he starts having a really interesting and detailed backstory. He's like an internet hermit who has dedicated to trying to get to level 8. And then he's like the blank everyman and everyone just talks directly to have the story thing. There was a whole set there's a whole section in the train station where he just gets creepypasta rules and he just like chugs through on whatever. Yes! <laughs> and then fuck oh god like like I forgot that that happened and when he started I was like like my workplace has a weird set of rules yeah, thing yeah. was really starting to get popular oh, around this fuck. time. Yeah, he like nailed, oh my god. And like, also just t- integrating everything, just oh. like fucking octopus tentacles grabbing, yeah. pulling everything in that it possibly can. And then, like, Sorry, go on. And then like if someone gets on the train and doesn't get up, you're doomed, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> and then it doesn't happen. It's just like a Chekhov's gun that doesn't go off. The, the, he's just like, yeah. yeah, and then the train ride was uneventful and I got off at the station. It's- what? I think that fucking rules, actually. <laughs> it's very, like, elevator game where, like, if the scary lady gets on, like, yeah. she's gonna kill you, but then it doesn't happen, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, and, like, to what Jonah was saying, is then the final arc, he becomes the protagonist badass OP of a creepy hostage story where he saves the day, but he does it in such a cold cutthroat way. Like, he's like, yeah, I shot the guy with a kneecap and he stopped moving. Oh, well, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he gets tortured 
for a while before he breaks. This guy who has definitely never been tortured before is like, like, lets his fucking toe get cut off, tolerates that, gets waterboarded, and still is is holding up. A little something for Wednesday, I love interrogation scenes. First of all, does not remember that this video is gonna make them kill themselves for, like, the entire time that he's being tortured. First of all. That would be the first thing I would think of. Second of all... (laughs) Oh my god. Puts up with all of this before he fi- oh he finally cracks under the torture. Like it's been two it's been hours that he's been oh. held hostage and he, you know, does his badass computer hacker boy stuff and, and the AI lets him oh. know, wink, don't worry. And he, you know, he lets these people fucking kill themselves and he shoots like he grabs a gun, shoots a man, oh. just executes. I, I love fucking... them so much I copy paste it yes. in the he was looking back and forth between me and the room, so I disarmed him easily and shot his kneecaps. I guess he hit his head hard on the floor because he went limp. <laughs> it's so brutal! There's only squirming figure left, Jackson. I guess he really was dedicated to this. Like, bro, that's ice cold! <laughs> yeah, like, it's been a week since he left it, like... What? <laughs> and then when he goes to save Ben, it's like, I eventually just kicked it down. Dust blasted me in my face when I walked inside. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so much pussy to have out nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking activated his protocols and he doesn't realize. Yeah. He's like, weirdly malicious at the end, taking all the, like, cartridges, whatever, out of the guns to, so Jackson can't, like, die and just like leaving him there like god that's pretty harsh man <laughs> i know you like did all this to you but come on that's like the most brutal thing we've read since the time in a gas station where jack just crushes a boy with a bookcase and leaves him there oh my god. i think those two scenes are comparable in my heart <laughs> just some crazy shit for no reason out of fucking nope like jack at least had like a very long arc of building up to this level of violence and like sort of struggles with himself a little bit about like the monster that he's become over these like five years or whatever that he's been doing this shit yeah this guy goes from that point to that point in like literally (laughs) 10 days (laughs) this is what it does to you i wouldn't do that (laughs) if this was me i would simply not do that this is why the AI fell in love with him. <laughs> the AI like, knew. It was like, oh, <laughs> freak assessment. <gasps> the, AI, the AI scans for people who are like most likely to do like an uh, workplace shooting or something, and it's like they got to walk on. Blake was ready to pop. The same factor that determines whether or not you would take a gun to your workplace is the same, like, it's it's the same thing that, like, gives you the ability to see this eldritch thing. Weirdly, like, it, like they can't figure out exactly why, it's just, like, those things are deeply connected. <laughs> I really love that. I like the world we're building. <laughs> we're writing fanfiction of this fanfiction, and I think the author would have to approve, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're working in the spirit of the thing. Yeah. I- ideally, the internet should just be us passing a thing around forever. <laughs> I agree. Uh, the ending made me feel a little like a, a you lived, you survived sort of like like a horror sim or like a horror rom sim to be specific. Like, 
it you did the yeah. full set of like all the obligations to get like the most plot ending and it's a good ending but it's not like the full complete ending it's like the barest bones of the plot best ending because like that didn't explain anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he just like fucking goes he just gets a different job i guess yeah, I don't know. yeah it's fine he just talks to his neighbor he just goes like th- the fact that ben doesn't even like like hey this guy did all this shit and you're not even gonna like offer him a position <laughs> dog come on <laughs> Ben, oh, Ben's a little hater. Like, at the very least, to fucking monitor him in case he, like, becomes the next Blake. Yeah. But, like, he has to go back because it's the hero's journey. He's the, you know, <laughs> blank slate creepypasta protagonist. He has to end exactly where he started, but, like, ooh, with a little bit of a spooky thing. Yeah. Oh, what if he looks at those links? You don't, we don't know. Maybe he'll look at the links, guys. <laughs> yeah, what, what if, what, what if he goes crazy like Blake? What if he, you know, starts the next, Factions of the Lost Gods is a really bad name yeah. for a cult, also, you guys. Hey, yeah, it's a, no, it's awful. It, every time I saw the acronym, I kept thinking about foot lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that f- makes it feel closer to, like, SCP no sleep creepypasta bullshit mm-hmm. than to like an actual like airplane thriller yeah. novel. Yeah. It's like wedged between two and it's not executing either very well. Yeah. But like I like it, I think, still. <laughs> if it stepped back and took the time to develop these ideas and like uh, the editing was better because yeah. man, the oh, dialogue man. is unfucking readable. This person yeah. does not know how to format dialogue, and it's really confusing. A negative note I did write was I find the dialogue lines to be insufferable. <laughs> yeah, the the dialogue is poorly written and also formatted just incorrectly. Yeah. Please. Oh my god, if you change speakers during dialogue, oh, yeah. you need to start a new paragraph. Every time you, oh my if god. you... If you have two people speaking in the same paragraph, I cannot tell who is speaking. Start a new line. Yeah, like, that's basic. Like, like you can you can probably pull it off, but you can't pull it off if you can't do the first thing well. You know what I mean? Basic grammar. Or whatever. If this was developed out into ha- better pacing had like a thorough edit this would be like a great fucking airplane novel Mm -hmm. something you pick up for like five bucks at the airport and you read it and you're like that was fun yeah Yeah. this this person has a very strong sense of what is fun to read Mm -hmm. about not necessarily what is fun prose to read because the prose is serviceable at best and a lot of the time quite bad yeah it's like you can't teach necessarily what is fun so having sort of like an instinct for that is a good base to start from like you can always learn those other like formatting and like rules and stuff but you but if you're like not driven by some sort of like need to communicate in this way like Lots of stuff is just boring. There are a lot of people in a lot of writing spaces who were only there because the idea of writing a story, writing a novel or, or whatever, has prestige, has prestige yeah. to it. It's not something that actually seems to give them passion or that they have any ideas about. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing that they do because that's the thing that you do because writing is supposed to be 
easier than learning to draw. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> uh, so it, it goes into, like, an undervaluing of writing in, like, online spaces because it's not an easily shareable yeah. thing, so it has less, like, value as a clout machine. Hey, back to the dialogue. This is the general, like, I love when people say this is fucked. We're fucked. I'm fucked in any situation that is, like, unsalvageable. It gets me every time. <laughs> and I, this had it, and it was just, like, it was so cool. <laughs> I mean, like, people can overuse that sort of, like, snappy, like, yeah, obvi- yeah, obviously. this is fucked thing really easily, just... but, like, <laughs> I'm just saying this, like, when it's good, it's good. Yeah, yeah. and this was pretty good. I mean, you know, yeah. for what it was. <laughs> for being the thing that it is. Yeah, the story wasn't written good, but it didn't have all the things that I was expecting it to have from, like, a Reddit story. <laughs> there was no noping out at any point. This guy did not <laughs> nope out. He went right into it. He was so, like, I'm doing it. There was no noped out. There was no smile wider than its face. <laughs> yeah. like An Agnostic atheist. It was charming. This is fresh. It was fresh while being a fanfiction at the same time. I think it's kind of a cool thing to, like, thread. Yeah. Have. People have a certain... Uh, people who don't write fanfiction that is called fanfiction have a different idea of what fanfiction is than what it... Act- like, yeah. yes, a lot of fanfiction is porn. Uh-huh. And that's fine. Yeah. But, like, a lot of fanfiction is this. Stuff like this, where it's, like transformative in a way that's interesting like that's that's one of the things that makes fanfiction fun and compelling to read it's the same thing that makes this compelling to read yeah one of the other complaints that i have about this Uh is that there are way too many characters for a story that is not about its characters (gasps) and isn't that long yeah they keep introducing new guys who are like around for a single chapter it feels kind of it feels so it feels so blockbustery, though, of it. Like, it's hard, it, like, that's obviously a big flaw of the story, but at the same time, I was like, and this guy would be played by this A-list actor who'd have a few lines. Like, that's what it felt like to me. Just, like, sounds and noise. When you break down the structure of it, the story pretty much has, like, one trick, and it's like... I went to this location, and I got a single clue. Oh, and then things got bad, so I had to go to the next location, and I found a single clue, and then things got bad. Like, it it does the same thing over and over until, you know, he's finally captured. It's so funny. It's so amateurish, but also I... I'm obsessed with it. It's, like, my favorite thing ever. I love <laughs> when we're just going to a million different locations and we're seeing a bunch of different things and talking to a bunch of different people and then we never see any of it again. Baby. Very hardcore. Yeah, it just, it just didn't matter. The whole, yeah. like, it's just a bunch of fluff that takes us from one exposition dump to another. <laughs> and I love it. Very sort of video gamey hardcore, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, like a bad video game. Yeah. <laughs> that thing in, like, old, like, RPG Maker games where, mm-hmm. like, the game existed for you to find the key to the next door to find the key to the next door. Mm-hmm. Like, at least a good one will have, like, puzzles in it and stuff, but a lot of them, the puzzle is just finding the next key. Or try to, like, immerse you in the key find. I really, this is such a tangent, but I really enjoy, like, this, I wouldn't recommend anything, I'm not, I'm not saying anything with my mouth, I do play certain things I would not, like, tell people to go play, because, like, <laughs> dev is wretched, uh, a wretched person, but, like, I do like the new wave of, sort of, like, RPG maker horror games where they're exploring with what it means to have keys at all. 
there's a lot of that happening, and I think it's a cool development. Can you explain a little um, more? Because, like, I, I'm not on top of the RPG Maker scene. Like, that was something that I was into in, like, high school. Yeah. I really fell out of. A really popular one is, like, you find, like, keyboard keys to form words for a hangman puzzle. Ah. It's a bit of an older one, but I would classify it in this thing, where you, you grab keys progressively more to unlock, like, different levels of like memory or whatever and like you have the wrong key at the very end even though like the game did not provide you a different key so like you're like going through your inventory and unlocking and like oh you can't open it with this and like that's like the horror of the the scene i should get back into like a subgenre with the rpg maker kind of what if i make you a list what if i make a list (laughs) you should a lot of the ones that I recommend playing are completely free because, like, it's a community of artists who, like, care about that kind of thing. Yay! That's nice. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I emulate now. Mm-hmm. I can probably get into RPG Maker games. Like, I'm pretty sure my computer would run an RPG Maker Oh my game. god, yeah. yeah. Lots of them are for Windows, and lots of them are, like, a yeah. 20 years old by this point. So, like, <laughs> the ones I'm gonna put yeah. on my list. Any, anybody could play it. This isn't really a note. This is just, like, me not understanding and maybe it's, like, because I listened to it as opposed to reading it and couldn't digest it fully. (laughs) But, like, so did all of the cult members just follow him to Hong Kong and then, like, rent out a warehouse in Hong Kong to torture him? I think they brought them back to the U.S. somehow because he doesn't say anything about flying back from Hong Kong. Yeah, he doesn't, which is why I was like, but then Kane, like, he goes home after he's tortured and, like, they're there. He's like, I'm going to go home. Let me go get you money to go back to the United States. So I do believe they were still there. Oh, 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 does he say that? Yeah, because, like, he go, they go back to his apartment afterward. Oh, I told, like, it's hard to keep track of where anybody is at any time. <laughs> yeah. Like, they don't describe the places where they are, literally ever. I, That's... for some reason, like, I remembered them going to space at the very end. Like, I was so convinced <laughs> that the main character goes to space with the cultists, that they take him to fucking space. That rule. Every version, every time you read this creepypasta, it changes a little bit. Because I also listened to it the first time, too. So I was like, what I remembered the ending being was that, like, he got to the terminal that the transmission from the Kuiper Belt was coming from, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In in the room that makes you kill yourself yeah. on, on the Kronos One. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and that he got it set up so that it made everybody else in the room kill themselves. Yeah. And like, then, like, disconnected it at the end so that it would, like, stop the transmission and, you know, s- save the day. Uh, that but that's not what happens literally <laughs> at all. That would rule, though. Another thing that makes it feel like a neutral good ending is, like, the end of the creepypasta, where he's like, are you satisfied? And good question, was I? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Ugh, play again. <laughs> Go get other stuff. <laughs> fucking new game plus another thing i was like maybe missing like forgetting context for but like all the cultists kept saying like we're not supposed to be here this is this is you know the big scary aliens place you know he's gonna make everything right but like where are they getting this information from is it just (laughs) was it just from blake i have to assume so yeah blake was just like he communicated with this thing and he had this like transcendental experience with the eldritch beast and he convinced them all that like 
humanity is a plague, man. We have to wipe ourselves out. Yeah. Uh, I wish there was more of that for our guy, for OP. I wish we got more, like, alien talking to him. Because he doesn't talk to the alien. He only sees it, like, once. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I wish the alien, the the thing that all this drama (laughs) is about and, like, centered around... I wish we got to see a little more of him. I wish we could have gone on the Kronos one. The alien is, like, logged in <laughs> Xbox, just, like, being... This <laughs> is the truth about everything, and it's just, like, saying slurs over its, like, nine-dimensional headset. <laughs> slurs that make you kill yourself. <laughs> like, it's, it's fine for this thing, because it doesn't have, like... Uh, human flesh and stuff so like everything it plays with normally just like reconstitutes itself it doesn't understand the damage it's doing I'm building fear fiction (laughs) I think what it actually is supposed to be is like that that this alien thing is like an existential threat to humanity because it is like a hateful cosmic like it's just a generic hateful cosmic horror yeah right yeah it's like it's a generic Cthulhu feels nice to read about though in like the apps like it's not trying super hard to be like lovecraft aesthetic and like that's cool to me it does just feel like like it's it's still cosmic horror it's still very much the thing it it, it is but like the quality of unknowableness is that it's nice within this story I mean, like, the thing is, as though this person who wrote this has ever read the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's fully telephone gamed through SCP and other sort of, like... Oh, you're right. Uh, like, Lovecraft-inspired cosmic horror kind of media. We can make the children forget. <laughs> I think it's better this way. <laughs> Related to SCP, I think it's, like, a cool phenomenon that happened that, like, authors around the time, like, built stuff around like uh, this tar pit of a source and lots of like <laughs> other stories were just like cooler and like uh more thoughtfully assembled and like because they were like oh that's cool that's horror that's like what I want to write now and they didn't necessarily share the same views or like why he was writing stuff like that in the first place so it's like <laughs> degrees removed from it but still like existing within weird horror writers it's sort of a similar reckoning that modern fantasy has to do with tolkien like even though he wasn't as intentionally like maliciously racist as lovecraft he was still a british conservative monarchist and he had a lot of tacitly racist ideas baked into his worldview that are now like the foundations of nerd fantasy and if you bring this up to people, like, hey, these tropes are founded in racism, a lot of people are like, but wait, I'm not racist. Orcs aren't even real. It just makes it really hard to talk about it with people. Hey, let's talk about how he gets, like, a, a cybercore makeover in the middle of the story. What? I thought he just, like, gets his hair cut. Yeah, but, like, he, like, shaves his head. And, like, changes his clothes. <laughs> he has a, he's an entire montage. Of- That's actually why he was able to, like, do all that fucking John McClane shit at the end as he get- shaved his head. <laughs> <laughs> changes you. It's like taking the weights off. Have to act for the haircut. 
it's it's a reverse Samson thing, like actually cutting your hair off turns you into Vin Diesel. The narrator's also very passive throughout, is something that I kept yeah. thinking about. Yeah. And like that was such a trend, right? Mm-hmm. You just stand around and get expedition dumped at. Characters who like are just sort of reactive and don't have like a particular goal mm-hmm. or drive. Like, I, I feel like that sort of thing is sort of horror easy mode. It's, it's really easy to create, like, a feeling of helplessness mm-hmm. or, like, things are just happening to someone because they are just sort of a blank slate for things to happen to. Yeah. But it's really annoying, annoying and really yeah. tiresome <laughs> when it becomes the dominant thing in the space. Yeah. It's sort of like, okay, okay, okay. Like, two things. One, like, it stops, like, because people don't want to write, like, from the victim point of view. People don't want to make someone who's, like, a vulnerable person getting attacked by horrors. They want to make, like, a John Everyman kind of character to do, like, because they don't want to be, like, emasculated or, like, made afraid. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not gender-specific, but it's very sort of, like, the protagonist is still be untouchable because there's sort of an emotional tie that you want to be, like, piloting yourself through your own story and you also want your story to be received and sort of, like, the way you're receiving it and your blank protagonist is, like, the window through which you're receiving the story. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the stuff like this starts out, they often start out with a person has, like, specialty knowledge and it never comes up ever again. And this makes me, like, particularly <laughs> angry here where, like, he kind of, the protagonist is kind of set up to be, like, we talked about how, like, the story sort of, like, explains some of that, but, like, the idea of a guy who is, like, yeah, I'm gonna reach level eight and do it because I am I've got a diaper on I've got like bottles to piss in I'm not moving until I fucking solve this I'm like on nine gallons of like cocaine I'm like I I haven't talked to anyone in like five years I haven't left this room I'm like living on I don't know what, what, what's that like a cliche hacker like I'm living on like caffeinated protein bars <laughs> Like, I I like the idea of, like, a, a digital hermit, someone on, like, a, a digital quest who has, like, this kind of, like, outsiderism, you know? I didn't get that feeling from it particularly. Like, it seemed more like this person heard some rumors and had enough of a bug up their ass to, like, want to do this mm-hmm. and, like, had a couple days off work and was just, yeah, like, I know. you know, so bored and has no life. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to, like, the, the main character from, like, Psychosis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where, where it's just, like, you know, a, a generic IT person who goes crazy. I guess what I'm trying to, like, say is, like, something like this should, like, facilitate a protagonist like that. Someone who's just, like, to be able to to have the set of skills and be able to be dedicated to that, you're not someone who's, like, weak and warrioring it. I feel like it would be better for, like, I guess not better is not the word. That's subjective <laughs> on the people who are going to read it, but better for me to read about some fucked up guy. You want to read about a fucked up guy? I guess he's still, like, a depraved weirdo, just, like, not in a cool way, just in, like, a boring way where he goes, uh, has a normal job and just spends all his time alone like that's cool <laughs> why don't you do something fucked up about it you know what he makes friends in this journey i think that's the most important part of the story ben doesn't offer him a job at the scp because he's kind of a cringe dude to hang around <laughs> <laughs> i think i think 
even if the guy is cringe, he did save his life. Yeah, I guess. You know? <laughs> he's he's really nonchalant about it, I think. That was like my favorite part, I think. Going to the basement where Ben was all like tied up and he's just like, Oh, these guys locked me up here and wanted me to watch it, but I wasn't going to. Haha. <laughs> like you were just like trapped in a basement and like probably tortured. I feel like you could have a little more urgency. <laughs> <laughs> you straight chill. Like, he wasn't even tied that tight. Like. I know. <laughs> there were just like a bunch of hot pockets on the ground. Like, they just yeah. leave those for him. Yeah, he he ate like ramen and stuff. He he kind of yeah ramen. Any, he could have skipped it anytime. He just wasn't. The door was just locked. The guy kicked it, like, this guy, this fucking IT guy kicked it down. What do you mean you couldn't escape? <laughs> ben was into the scenario. It's all been really elaborate. <laughs> it's the only vacation days he's had in a really long time. Oh, I like that a lot. You're fucking driving him at the SCP Foundation. Like, <laughs> he was just fucking chilling. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. Like, oh, the fat guy is here. He has to get back to work and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're just kind of waiting to see if the world was gonna end or if he was just, like, gonna have a cool weekend. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like if you work for the SCP Foundation, it's kind of nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> you probably don't get many weekends. You gotta go to Vegas? Like, that's kind of dope. <laughs> He's having an entirely different story than the protagonist. When he jumps off the balcony and finds a cab. Yeah, that's a scene that would be in the trailers. Speaking of scenes that would be in the trailers, and also mm-hmm. my favorite line. Yes. I have to imagine this was probably bolded, but I cannot know. It says, <laughs> I should have just stayed on Google. <laughs> that one is not bolded, I don't think. I did <sighs> make a note a about that. I, I think the bolded lines are like the first lines at the very beginning, because it's like part of the formatting. There's also one towards the end, I think. Oh, is there? Or maybe it's italicized. I do. I I, <laughs> I wrote that one down. <laughs> like this story is kind of a perfect spec script, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's just sort of this. This is like a pitch in like prose oh, form. It does feel right that. almost because yeah. like it doesn't have enough in it to be a novel, but it does have just enough to be like a ninety-minute screenplay, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Like, it has it has a lot of action set pieces, it has a lot of, like, exposition that would sound snappy, just sort of delivered over, like, an like a action scene or, like, a walking scene. It's got That's a lot of cool characters. A little bit of the walk and talk through the terminal. Like, oh my God, you, yeah. could, you could set, instead of the Blackberry contingency plan, he could be relaying the contingency plan to him through dialogue as no. they're going through this, like, crazy terminal. Yeah. What's the right polish? I can see this coming out in June. This is definitely a February <laughs> sort of yeah. story, but, like... But I want it to come out in June. <laughs> and that's an interesting energy to have for a no-sleep. I've gone, like, partially, I think, just uh, taking time to... We were gonna record this on Thursday, and then we could not... I think having that time to think about it and also hearing how much you guys like it. I'm coming around. I'm coming around. It's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. Actually, oh, it's, like, I love it. Like, the thing is, I definitely hated it the first time that I heard it because I wasn't prepared for yeah, the thing that it was yeah, going to be. Yeah. And I was just 
baffled and confused by it, and, yeah. like, I was really, I'm still really offended by the SCP fucking drop at the very yes. end. Like, that still really annoys me, it's honestly. Like, it's, but like, the like, core of it, though. But in general, like, I've softened so much on it, especially, like, doing it for the podcast yeah. and doing it in the order that we ended up doing it in, where, like, the thing we just did was fucking Baraska V. Um. If we had hit it up earlier, we'd probably have heart. We were talking about, like, Ben's vacation and stuff in the line. I've, I highlighted a lot of lines. I don't normally do that. <laughs> we ended up hitting the slots, going to a seafood buffet, and a karaoke bar after. It was the best time I've had in a while. LGBT victory. Like, they, they were on, like, a guide date. Yeah. They were on, like, a... Homoerotic vacation. Do you understand why I wanted them to kiss so bad at the end? That's the real reason he can't work for the SCP, because, like, then it'd be, like, co-workers fraternizing, and they'd probably have, like, rules against that, and they want to keep their relationship good. <laughs> I think they should have put OP in, like, they should have made him an SCP, because that's weird. Like, he's one of the only people that was like that. I feel like that could have been something. That His containment... Oh, oh, I like, okay, okay, okay. His containment. His containment is Ben's apartment. (laughs) His containment is his new job. He's like, oh, I I found a job really quick right after. And that's like, his special containment is like this front of like an IT dungeon in some like (laughs) fake, like like it's a real building, but it's like staff with like uh, personnel from the SCP. So like, they like give him tasks. They're just monitoring him. Yeah, they're just monitoring him. I would love that. That's our unofficial sequel. <laughs> I need whoever made this to come back. I know it's been like six years, but I need them to come back and make a <laughs> sequel, and I need them to make my dreams come true. I need to see the other three links more than anything. Yeah, they really baited you out with the, like, links. There's, like, more links. I know. I really thought, I don't know why, I really thought he had watched all three, but no, he just watched the first one. A lot of trouble for a single link. Yeah, like, hey, what's in those other ones, I buddy? Know. There would be more aliens like, than you. Was it, was it testing him, like, to give him the option of, like, which one he's sort of destined to pick? Oh, like, which one like he's going to be taught? Like, did he fucking, like, accidentally spec into, like, a... <laughs> yeah, he's, like, warlocked himself. <laughs> so much of dialogue, I feel like you guys talked about a lot. Like, I, obviously I was listening to it, but even then, it's, like, very obvious how, like awkward and weird and just like oh just so heavy just like the amount of exposition I had to keep pausing because I was just like I need time to process all this information because my god he's just saying all this stuff first (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ben then Kane the dialogue feels way more clunky and awkward than the actual prose which is bizarre it's usually the other way around yeah like lesser skilled writers or whatever you know I don't understand why people can struggle with dialogue so much. You talk to people every day of your life. <gasps> you know what humans sound like. You know how people talk. Judge bizarre adventure problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy's experiencing an Iraqi problem. I also just hated the cult. That isn't, like, anything in particular. I just Yeah, the hated cult's their... really fucking yeah. stupid. I just hated cult. I hated their part in the story. I wish, like... I'm, like, the... Not to label myself, but I am kind of, like, the cult person. I am... I do, like, a good cult. So the fact that this was not a good <laughs> one is, like... 
You could have done better. It could have been cooler. Even for like a goofy fictional cult, their aesthetic is really whack. Yeah. Like, why are they doing this whole like scarecrow mask thing? That's not at all like tied to the aesthetic that they should be going yeah, for. It it's like... nonsense. It's just because scarecrow masks are scary. Yeah. It should be like mid-century modern like space age like you know the, the whole part where they were in hong kong and they were kidnapped by the cult like that whole part felt very like as iconic as it is as iconic as all the the death and, <laughs> and you know badass john wick style stuff going mm-hmm. on it's also just like <laughs> the, the worst written part to me yeah. It it sort of really falls apart. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I don't know why because it's the coolest part. Like it's like <laughs> in my head it's like you're building up to this, you know? So it's like why did you bone it so hard? Mhm. Writing one-handed problem, oh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Using the example of like the story itself, like the fact that all these people were drawn to Blake and like uh, these doomsday things he was talking about like i'm just into like the idea of people being drawn into either like these horrifying it's it's not giving a very good impression of like why they would be drawn Mm -hmm. in by this guy right like why they would have joined this group in the first place who wants to be a part of a death cult where the the person who is leading it is just kind of a loser that we don't know a lot about (laughs) and like maybe they had a really good relationship with him. I know they mentioned him one time, and they're like, they were talking about how Blake didn't think they were ready. And so, obviously, Blake wanted to, like, protect them. Like, he, he cared about them in some way. So, it's just like, I would have liked to have understood more why yeah. they felt so close to him and why they feel so impassioned even after, after his death to, like, continue this thing that is going to kill literally everybody. Yeah, like, they wanted to see what it was, and they lacked the ability to access it, because they don't have, like, quantum brains or whatever. And it's also, like, there's no, they don't have any sort of, like, goal in it. Yeah. Like, like the goal is to kill everybody, but, like, they don't get anything particularly special out of this other than the Earth no longer being, uh, you know, overrun by humans. Populated. Yes. Like, but, like, uh, that doesn't feel like a very good motivation. From from my understanding, like, the typical doomsday cult is more like the world is going to end and we need to be saved, mm-hmm. yeah. us personally. Yeah. But, like, there are always going to be groups that are like, fuck yeah, nuclear apocalypse, destroy the earth now. I feel like there there might be a, like, legitimate categorization of it, but there's, like, two camps of, like, cults who are doomsdays. There's, like, the escalation, where it's, like, the end is, like, coming, and, like, we can prepare with, like, stuff, and the end comes faster and closer as, like, the the cult bubble starts to burst, you know, like millenarian, yeah, type yeah, type cults. stuff. Like in in the way that like a lot of like modern American evangelicals yeah. are, where yeah. imminentizing the eschaton is, is <laughs> I think the phrase, yes, right? Yes, 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 yeah. And then <laughs> and then there's like what like we're saying is sort of like just like straight up, oh, we should er- eradicate people for like X Y Z reasons, and sort of like. Those are more tied into like eco fascism. Yeah, eco fascism. Like people who like to set off bombs in places. 
it's there and really fill in the blank for what the death cult is. And, like, obviously, like, you don't need stats for a thing to be cool or whatever, but it feels like you should, I don't know. It's just really empty. It's just like, oh, this is just, like, a blank space where traits should have gone and didn't. Like, in a better story, we would have spent more time with them and, like, gotten more, like, you know, besides just the torture stuff. Like, I would love to know how these people just, like, live. Not that it matters to him, but still... Here's a line that made me howl out loud. Um, the light wasn't any color we'd ever seen before. A really subtle reference to color out of space. I don't think it is a reference to color out of space. I don't think this person knows what color out of space is. How is that possible? I think this person is just, again, geeking off of... Because color out of space is so iconic, and the idea of, like... Uh, geometry and colors and other things that are beyond our natural perception. This human being is like a neural network for things. Being absorbed into this and like chunked out (sighs) as like, well, this is the way that you know that I'm talking about an eldritch horror is that like, it's a color that you don't know how you're able to perceive. It's moving in ways that defy any explanation, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're, they're just signifiers. It's kind of amazing. Not to, not to nitpick this story that is very silly, but, like, the site being some kind of vault for forbidden knowledge <laughs> is really silly. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah. Even if you want to, like, preserve this information instead of deleting it, which is what people normally do when they want to totally hide something, <laughs> they just get rid of it. Yeah. The only way to keep something totally secure is to, like, remove access to yeah. it. How is there, like, an internet connection that people are able to get fucking access to this thing in the first place? That shouldn't happen. Like, it shouldn't be a website. What are you talking about? Much like Baraska, this should be in a vault in Nevada, buried, like, a hundred million <laughs> feet as possible underground <laughs> and not on a server any Yahoo with Tor can access. I would love this exact story, but instead of some guy going onto the internet, he's just like an urban explorer, like going into a mine somewhere. Yeah. If he found oh, this, this, like all this shit on like physical hard drives or something, because he broke into like an abandoned place that was you know, originally hosting these, like, secure files, so cool. and they buried it, and they assumed that nobody would ever be able to get access to it again, and he urbexes into it, oh discovers all this shit, and, like, you know, ah. takes some of it home with him, and the people come to his house, and we're like, well, we know that you were somewhere you weren't supposed <laughs> to be, and he hands it, and you can do the exact uh, story yeah. that we just yeah. did here. Nothing would change. It would be the same thing, but it would feel like it's logically tracking a little more. Which yeah. is one of the things that the story sort of sorely lacks, is, like, logical tracking. Yeah. That that lends itself to, like, the, the government secret spy thriller stuff. Or you could keep it the hyperlink maze, but you drop a lot of this sort of, like, it's real cousins, like, agents and gunshots and stuff, and have it just be, like, the... <laughs> The closed room, the isolation, the creeping horror, and, like, the social dynamics of, like, an online space like this. Like, it's still a hyperlink maze, but sort of, like, whatever the fucking number is of it, like, the cicadas thing. People trying to crack Mm -hmm. this code, and you've done it, and you're trying to convince people, like, yeah, here's how you do it, but no one else can replicate it, and you're sort of, like, isolated now from the group. So now you have even less people, and, like, now there are, like, horrors demanding of you, and, like, got kind of, like, 
a ghost in the machine sort of situation. Well, Wednesday, now you've written I a completely talk- different story. What if this is a completely different story? <laughs> Listen, I'm into it, but where are we going to get our gunshots and where are we going to get the Timmy, you know, blowing some guy's kneecaps out? I thought you were about to say something completely different. <laughs> yeah, me too. Hey guys, somewhat informal outro today because due to some circumstances in real life, the book club is going on a little mid-season break. Thank you to everyone who has been keeping up with the show for all your support and kindness, for sharing us around, and for your excitement about the little project you might notice we've been hinting at this season. Regularly scheduled episodes will be returning in January with accounts from a lonely broadcast station. This has been the Creepy Pasta Book Club. Thank you, and good night.